Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week so far, whenever you're choosing to tune in, wherever you're choosing to tune in from. I'm so grateful to have you guys here, and I'm so pumped to be introducing my dear friend, Mr. Casanova Brooks. So I uh, was originally on Casanova's podcast, and I believe my episode's actually coming out this week. So after you listen to this one, head over to his podcast, which is the Dream Nation podcast, to listen to yours truly on his show to hear another side of the story. But once we finished that conversation, I literally looked at him and I was like, dude, you got to come on the show because his energy, his vibe, um, the way he approached conversation, his story, and just what he's been through in his life and how much abundance he's created as a result of facing and taking control of the demons facing and taking control of the circumstances and turning lemons into lemonade is nothing but miraculous and incredible. So Casanova's really experienced three specific tragic moments in his life. You know, once was when he nearly died or he skipped an opportunity to die, which we'll talk about on the episode. Another was when his mom passed. And then the third was when he lost everything and recreated just an incredible level of success from nothing. It was almost like he made the decision to create his dream life, and he did. And, I mean, he's such an incredible human being with an infectious personality. I mean, he's an entrepreneur, a real estate professional, high-energy keynote speaker. I mean, he really is driven and inspired to help people live their dream life. And he does so by empowering others to develop the mindset to thrive and become the best versions of themselves. And I just really, really, really appreciated Casanova. Um, I appreciated his perspectives on the importance of finding your why, the incredible comeback stories that he's had in his own life and how his comeback stories have inspired comebacks for other people and just everything that goes into making this human being the incredible human being he is. And so I, I think I know you guys are going to love this episode, and you're also going to love Casanova and what he stands for. So um, just be prepared to be inspired. Be prepared to go into whatever you're going to go into next with a certain zest for life, uh, just based on the energy that this conversation brings up. So enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps. All that means is every single time we release a new episode, it's just going to drop straight into your inbox. Leave us a review, you know, if you've been jamming out to the podcast for a while and, you know, if there's something that Casanova says on the episode or if there's something that I share on the episode that rings true, let me know in a review. Um, It's one of my favorite things to read. I love getting your reviews. I love hearing about what you love and don't love about the show. And it just lights me up because, you know, I said this, I think I say this on pretty much every intro now because it's just beaming in my life, but you guys have created such a beautiful community. You know, this this podcast initially started as a way for 
me to personally explore what it meant to live a fulfilling life. And as a result of all of you being along for the ride, we've all been able to create different stories of joy, love, fulfillment, connection, and purpose in every moment. And I'm just so grateful for this journey. I'm grateful to have all of you for the ride, and I love you guys. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you so much for choosing to tune into the episode uh, and this show. But without further ado... It is my absolute pleasure to introduce my main man, Mr. Casanova Brooks. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you're all uh, having a phenomenal day so far. Man, I am. I can't even tell you how excited I am to have you here, brother. Mr. Casanova, what's up, bro? What's up, my man? How are you? I am, uh, man, I'm so grateful. Just, I said this earlier, but, you know, my heart is just so full. I love you as a human being. And I, I remember when we were on your show, it was just firecrackers back and forth. And I felt a soul brother connection from a mile away. And so I'm just really excited that we get to go back down the rabbit hole and explore all the things called life together. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on and I'm hoping that we can give the people, the listeners, the watchers uh, something to take that's tangible and that's valuable so they can, you know, obviously live a life by their design. Yeah, man. Uh, no, I, well, we're, that's going to happen just based on your story. I mean, that's one of the things that I wouldn't even say impressed me because like there's a lot of things that impress me about you, but like it was eye-opening for me to to hear the depth of the human spirit that you were able to tap into just through your trials and tribulations. So can you describe, and you know, we can talk for hours about your whole story, but I would love for you to start with the several rock bottom moments that you've had along the way. Can you, one, describe the rock bottom moments, and then two, can you describe what it feels like to fight against rock bottom? Like when you're in those positions. Yeah. So I would say when people ask adversity, obviously I say I'm never a stranger to it. For some of the things that particularly stand out, I think we all have struggles on a day-to-day basis, right? The, the biggest struggle that we have is the struggle in between our own two years, right? Of believing that we are enough, believing that we can achieve whatever we want, especially if you don't come from a background of seeing people achieve their dreams, their goals, and really fighting fear every single day because so many people hide it in. And so for me, I grew up in inner city Chicago. I was raised by a single mom and my mom did very good. I always like to preface my story by saying I was raised by two strong black women and uh, they did everything that they could for me. The reality of it was though, I was growing up and I don't want to say necessarily poverty, but I was growing up with the lack of resources, but I didn't know any different. Right. I, all I knew was that my parents were putting food on the table, regardless if I really wanted to eat that or not. Right. And I know I had clothes on my back. So it felt like for me, I was living a good life. And when I was eight years old, I think I really um, faced my first set of adversity. And what I mean by that is I had two best friends and uh, we were the three amigos. And what was I? 
first or second grade at this time. This is in Chicago. We would always go to like the beaches. We did everything together. And so one Sunday they came over and they said, hey, you know, we're about to go to the beach. You want to come? And for whatever reason, I decided I did not want to go to the beach. I can't tell you why, right? I just, we always did everything together, but I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to sit this one out. And so they go to the beach. A couple hours later, their parents come over to our house and they're like, hey, do you know where the boys are? And they're like, no, Cass is in his room. And Cass, do you know where the boys are? And I'm like, hey, they went to the beach. And then so a couple hours after that, found out that both of them wound up drowning because they were trying to swim off of the pier or something oh like that. Gosh. And so I can only imagine that I would have been right there with him, right? Like we would, we saw something that was fun. Let's all try it. And um, yeah, so they both wound up drowning. So that was the first time that I felt lost in life, if I'm just being honest, because it was like, yeah. man... Like I lost my two best friends. Now I feel like I I just got to start all over. I got to find new friends. I got all these other things. And I'm always now lonely in my own way, right? And I was the only child on my mom's side. So that was a whole thing that I had to cope with. But I always was was one to, maybe it was the beauty that I knew I loved being around people. So that helped me that I could, okay, I got to find new friends, right? Regardless of uh, whatever happened to me at that time. So I wound up coming through on that. And then for me, I always grew up around drugs gangs violence, at least when I was in Chicago. But I was fortunate enough that my mom had built relationships with enough people as far as the gangbangers and stuff like that, that they would be like, hey, Cass, get up off of this corner right now. We don't know what's about to go down, but we see people who are not from this area. So there was many a times where there were shootings and I could have definitely been on that corner and been an innocent bystander. But again, I got lucky. And so I saw a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have saw at a young age, but it always just kind of gave me the perspective that like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And so when I was 13 years old, my grandma decided she was going to move me out of Chicago. My mom didn't really have a choice. She, I was an early yeah. child, so she had to come. So my grandma said, hey, we're going to move him out of Chicago and we're going to move him to Sioux City, Iowa. And so um, that was a huge culture change for me, obviously, because I now go from big city Chicago to now a town of like 80,000 people where many people do not look like me. So again, it was another situation where I felt like, man, I was lonely, but I had to adapt. I had to adapt or otherwise I was going to live miserable every single day. And uh, luckily for me, I was still young enough that I didn't have the ignorant mindset that like, just because you don't look like me could never mean that you could be with me. You had to be against me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was a fortunate thing because I was so young and uh, yeah, I was now starting to navigate my way through middle school and, and now high school. And then I got hit again as things started to go great for me. I mean, I'm popular. I'm playing basketball, football track. I'm on the dance squad. Uh, things are just really good. And then all of a sudden in between football season and basketball season, I find myself having a hard time breathing. And my buddies are like, oh man, it's probably just because you quit football early and, and da, 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 da. So you're probably just out of shape when basketball season came around. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay. So I go home, I take naps. And my mom's like, hey man, this is unlike you. Like, what's up? And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I'm just really tired of having a hard time breathing. To speed up this story, what winds up coming out from that is I wound up finding out that I have stage four lymphoma cancer. And so it was all throughout my body. I was two weeks away from death. The doctors at the University of Iowa had said, if I would have just you know waited two more weeks, I could have just died in my sleep. So obviously that was a huge thing as well because I was never, ever sick as a child. I never had the chicken pox, the measles, the flu. I never broke a bone. Like I was always a healthy little kid, just active. And now all of a sudden you tell my parents like, hey, if we don't get him, you know, the, the treatment that he needs right away, he won't be here in 30 days. And so it's like, man, so I had to go through that. And then I, I wound up going 
two years through chemo and I get out of it. Now I'm in remission, have been ever since. So I'm very blessed in that sense. And then about six years ago, I went through another big, big storm. And that was, I just moved to Omaha, Nebraska. And my mom and grandma, who's still in Sioux City, they say, hey, you know, we want to move down to be closer to you, Julie and CJ, my wife and son. And I say, okay, cool. Within a couple of weeks, we wind up moving my mom and grandma down here to be closer to us. And we're going to do the family thing. It's going to be great. And Within 24 hours, my mom winds up going to the hospital here in Omaha. And within one week's time, I lose my mom at that hospital. And just because of the transitions of where I was in life, going from inside sales to outside sales. And then also my wife and I put our first home under contract to to live in. So we're excited about that time. Then because I lost my mom, I wound up losing my job. And then because I lost my job, I wound up losing the home since they couldn't verify employment. So all within a matter of a couple of weeks, I basically lose everything. And and keep in mind, I had no college degree. I got no trust fund. My grandma's now 72 years old. She's still here in a brand new city. And not only did she lose her only daughter, she it was more like she lost the companion because she had lived with my mom helping to raise me for 40 of my mom's 50 years. So now she's distraught. She doesn't know really what to do. She's in a brand new city. So there's just a lot going on. And me only being 26 years old, I got to figure out how do I navigate a lot of things on top of my wife now supporting me not only emotionally, but because I lost my job, my wife supporting me financially as well. So it was a, it was a crazy time yeah. for me. And, and through all of that and, and just trying to figure out how I could, you know, come out ahead, how I could really find peace and find joy through all of the tragedy. Right. And you've done incredible for yourself. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about that in a second. But those are three very different flavors of crisis. Right. The first one is almost at an age where you're sort of forming your identity right? You have these friends and you're sort of learning between right and wrong. You heard a voice that told you to stay home and you did. The second one was almost like you're, you're stepping into more of who you are, like you're really forming that, but then you get hit with something that forces you to dig deep and challenge everything you know about life and death. And then later on in life, you're going through and then the universe just seemingly smacks you across the face all at one time. What are the common sort of like in all these different flavors of crisis for you as you're the common denominator what were sort of the defining traits that allowed you to find strength in each of those situations yeah i think for me if i look back on it and i'm just honest i think it was always my mom right and she's continued to be my guardian angel but my mom would always tell me that really the saying goes, if you've ever seen the TV show, Martin, they would always say something. And I was like, you go boy. And so I remember my mom saying that to me about anything. Like my mom was my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. She never, ever wavered on that. And obviously we were, I was their only child. And when people ask me, they say, how did I get the name Casanova? Uh, I do have to be honest and say, well, if you've ever heard of a song by Gerald Levert, which was out in the 80s, he says that never knew what love was until you came along. So my mom said that she never knew what love was until I came along. And so that just kind of shows how close that we always were. But my mom was always so resilient. 
stubborn and and persistent with everything that she did that I think that that was the trait that I really I got out of out of life like I didn't have an opportunity to sit down and and wallow in my sorrows because my mom was always she found a way to motivate me whether it was off of challenging me mentally or whether it was off of inspiring me or just taking up for me at the times where I always felt like I could do no wrong in her eyes. Right. So I think that that's something to really take away for anybody who's listening at this, especially if you have kids, because when we're so young, we have these big dreams, we have big goals. But once we get older, we allow society to put their fears, their insecurities on us. And then we stop going after whatever it was that we wanted to do to really feel like we were being active in life and we were coming alive. And so I think that my mom at a very young age, she always preserved my mindset with what she had, right? She didn't, she didn't have a college degree. She didn't have a a job that she worked at for 20 years. She would always say she was robbing Peter to pay Paul. But as far as my mindset, oh, hell no. My mom never let anybody put their fears onto me. She did everything she could to protect me, both mentally and physically. So I think that that was a big deal. And I would say for anybody who has kids or has grandkids or even younger brothers and sisters, it's so important to preserve the mindset and the creativity of young people because they don't know what they don't know. And so if you tell them that they are the next NBA player, or if you tell them that they are the next astronaut, they're going to truly believe it. It's like telling someone a lie enough, they're going to start to believe it, especially if they start to tell themselves that lie. And so my mom always told me that like, listen, I was destined for greatness. Maybe she didn't say it in those words, but she always said a form of that. And so I believed it. And I think every day it was like, I just had to put one foot forward and she was leading by example. So I didn't know any different. What does being destined for greatness feel like? I always say that there's a story that I heard that it will always stick in my mind and it's by Warren Buffett. And uh, we might've talked about this a little bit on my show, but somebody asked Warren Buffett and they said, you know, how do you know when you've truly been successful in life? And for a lot of people who follow Warren Buffett, it's been said that he's an atheist. No one really knows, but it's because he's such a realist. He doesn't talk about afterlife or God or anything like that. He really just talks about the numbers, being disciplined, straightforward. And I guess Warren responded and said, you'll never know when you've really been successful in life until you die and you see how many people come to your funeral. And people are like, what? Like Warren talking about afterlife? Like what? And he was like, yeah, you'll never know until you see how many people will come to your funeral. But more importantly, you'll never know how truly successful you've been until you see how many of those people cry at your funeral, because those are the people who you've truly impacted their lives. And so when I look at this and I say, what does destined for greatness mean? I think that overall, we have a world, we have a planet, we have communities that all have struggles. And everybody is put on this earth to be able to create some type of a solution to that struggle. We can't ever answer why, but if we look at just over the last six months, we look at someone like Kobe Bryant, huge basketball fan. Yeah. We can never, ever say why Kobe and his daughter was taken so soon from us, right? And it seems like, oh my God, is there really a God? Things like that. But at that very moment, at least over the next three to six months, right? Definitely over the next three months after he was taken from us, we never seen more unity in this world than in that one time, right? I mean, people, you can look at greats like Michael Jackson, like Prince, 
everybody. Yep. And, but there was always something that you can nitpick off of that. But when you talk about Kobe, when you talk about Gianna, there were so many things that you just couldn't pick apart that we had to come together to embrace the good that was done and where we were at that time. And so I think that everyone, when we talk about greatness, everyone is designed to solve a problem to make this world a better place. Even if we look at George Floyd, right? That was so senseless of what happened. But at that time, now, because of what has transpired and because of, you know, it brought awareness. So again, you don't want to say that he was used as a guinea pig or anything like that to, to you know, defame his name or his life because it definitely had purpose. But if you look at Again, joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. Yep. It's the pain of losing him and the, and the pain of the sight of seeing it. But at the same time, it's the joy of watching so many people that would have never came to bat for people of color that now they are. We're seeing the NFL, the NBA, they, all yeah. these things were uniting in so many ways. And so I think that you have to figure out what is the thing that you want to stand for? And that is your greatness. Maybe it's just empowering your community to change their mindset when it comes to political views, financial views, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's, you know, talking about whatever that thing is that makes you tick. That's what I think destined for greatness is because at the end of the day, you always have your who and your what, right? But then you also have your why. And I'm not just talking about, I should say it even a little bit better. You have your what and your how, but then you have your why, right? So what it is that you do, right? Whether it's you are an accountant or whatever. And then it's also how it is that you operate and how it is that you make your money. Right. So let's say you're an accountant and then how do you go about getting clients and how do you bring in an income? But then the last thing is that why I always said it in my terms of real estate, real estate is my what and my how, but it's not my why. It's what I do and how I make my money. But it's not the reason why I get up every single day. I've had success in lots of different sales. The why has always been because I wanted to empower people to live a life by their design. And I found a way to do that through the medium of real estate. And why that was so significant, because I didn't feel like I was just selling a product. I didn't feel like I was selling something that anybody did not want. I felt like my greatness was to be able to empower other people to go out and own land and own an asset that they could then pass down to their children's or generations on in. And so that was a big deal for me. So I know I gave a roundabout way, but I hopefully that gives the bigger picture. I think that when it talks about stepping into your greatness or figuring out what your greatness is, it's that one thing that makes you take that you knew that you know that if this problem was solved, many more people would live more fulfilling lives and many more people with all pun intended would stay grounded. Thank you for that. And I want to go back. I'm really glad you brought up Kobe because, you know, I was, for lack of a better word, like weirdly distraught after Kobe passed. Like, I mean, I grew up watching Kobe. Like, I didn't even really like basketball, but I loved watching Kobe because of his energy, because of his tenacity, his competitive spirit. Like, I just loved how fiery he was. And I was thinking a lot about what about Kobe's death impacted me. And, you know, I was talking to a really close mentor of mine a few weeks ago, actually, and it actually came back full circle with why Kobe's death was so impactful for me. When you think about purpose and your why, and you think about like why you're doing what you're doing or or the thing that drives you in life, there's what you do. And then there's who you are. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like there's the, what you do, which is like you mentioned the solution. Like I want to do this. I, there's this one thing I can create like for Kobe that may have been basketball may have been the thing that he went and did for you. It was uh, it's empowering communities. It's that thing that you've sort of decided is your thing. Right. But then that who you are piece, which is not what you do, but it's, it's the being, it's the being aspect versus the doing aspect of life. It's, it's the way you hold yourself. It's the way you show up. It's the values that you live by. It's the tenacity. It's the things that, that like, it doesn't matter what is, what, what the vehicle is. It could be real estate. It could be basketball. It could be business. It could be parenting. It could be friendships. It could be cooking. It could be anything you choose to do, but it's the way you live and it's the presence you bring and it's the energy that you leave for everyone else to witness and for you to experience in your own body. And when I think about Kobe, I think one of the reasons, the biggest reasons why Kobe's death was such a worldwide sort of mover, not just because it was tragic, not just because it was him and his daughter, but truly because, I mean, Kobe wasn't playing basketball for the world. He was playing basketball for himself and he wasn't playing that hard for the world. He was playing that hard because that's who he was. And he lived fully in his being And he showed up fully in every moment. And with that fire, that's what he left behind for everybody. And so, you know, for everybody listening, like, even if you don't have that thing that you know what you want to do yet, even if you don't know what that is yet, that's okay. Because the way you show up, right, to me, is one of the most important whys or purposes that you can live out. Like, it's just, that's, that holds all the power because then everything you do doesn't matter. It's like you're the common denominator. Absolutely. And I think it's all about understanding that at the end of the day, it's about the memories that you create. Yeah. Right. And so for people who are out there right now that approach that that are protesting, that are activists, right? In any form of the way, it doesn't just have to be for Black Lives Matter, but for anything, they're creating these memories. They're creating, like you said, the viewer, which I think is so powerful, it's values. And I had someone on my show and they had said, you know, the number one thing that I did when I started to change my life was first off, I wrote down my values. And he told me about the way that he did it. And I was like, oh man, well, I'll tell you the way that I did it. I went the very next day and I wrote down my values. I actually put it on my Instagram and I showed people. But what my values, I the way that I thought about it was the word dream, right? So for the D, I thought that it's determination, right? In the beginning, we have to we have to figure out what are we going to be determined about, right? And the R is regret. And when we talk about the regret, um, I know that at the end of the day, failure weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons, right? You don't want to get to the end of your road and have any type of a regret. So again, what are you determined to accomplish? And you have to write this down because if you're going to have that determination, you're, when you write it down, you have to see it. You can lie to everyone else, but you can't lie to yourself at the end of the day, right? So that R is regret. I wanted to make sure that in my lifetime, I, I don't have any regrets, right? Whatever it is that I wanted to accomplish, you only get one chance on this earth. Number The E, the E was energy, right? And, and for me, energy is everything. The energy that I put out there in this world, I believe you reap what you sow, right? And so I have to sow good seeds of energy into other people because that's the way that you create the opportunities. People buy off of energy all the time. When you, whether it's testimonials, whether it's just the salesman that gives a great presentation, it's energy, right? So that was my E. 
the A was appreciation. And for the A, for me, it was appreciating every single aspect of my journey thus far. And and the way that I thought about this, if you think about, um, let me ask you something, Raj, if you had to just eat a stick of butter, do you think you like it? Probably not. No. If you had to just put your hand in some flour and then just just eat the eat a handful of flour, would you like it? I don't know. It depends on the flour. I'm just kidding. Nah, no, probably not. The <laughs> yeah, probably not. Right. And my purpose in saying all of this is there's multiple ingredients that by themselves, just like butter, just like flour, would not taste very good. Right. But at the end of the day, do you love cake? Eh, on a good day. On my birthday, on a good maybe. Day. If you found the right one, if I right, found the right cake, <laughs> if you found the right cake, we love it, right? We've all had some cake where we're like, yeah. "Man, this is really good cake." I mean, I generally just don't like sweets like that, but this is some really good cake. And so, my purpose in saying all of that is because you have to appreciate the ingredients that's inside of the cake for you to really get the end result. A lot of us, we want that end result to have a really good cake, but understand that your character is built off of the ingredients and you have to appreciate every single one of them. Right. If we if we have a burger, we've all had that that burger or some food that we say, how is it? And it's like, it it was okay. I mean, I wouldn't drive across town to get it again, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. So why do we describe it like that is because it was boring. Right. It was there was no flair with it. It was just like, oh, this is it was okay. But what gives that burger the flair? It has to have unique abilities. And what gives it that uniqueness? You had to have done something different. And so for a lot of us, that something different is going through adversity. That something different is, you know, taking that next step when everyone else would have just quit. But for whatever reason, we know that we're trying to really live a life by our design and we won't just want to live. We want to come alive. And so for me, that was the appreciation is appreciating every single part of my journey and knowing that it's not happening to me, but it's happening for me because my story, just like your story and probably somebody else that's listening or watching this right now, it's not for them. My story is not for me. We all look for hope and we all look for inspiration out of someone or something. That's a lot of the times why we watch movies or listen to music. It's yeah. because we want some type of feeling. We want an emotion. We want to spark something in us that we say, yeah, whether it's the gladiator pursuit of happiness, it doesn't matter what it is. And so it's that appreciation. And that's the A. And then the last part for me is the M. And I went through two different words as I was writing out my values of all of these things. And one was meaning right? Because we all struggle with understanding what is our meaning of this world? Do we have a place in this world? What's the meaning of our life? And then the second one was motivation. And for me, I went with the word motivation because I think that this is something that I told my wife and I heard it many years ago and it stuck with me, but it it was understand that your story is not for everyone, but it is for someone, right? And so just think about that. And the way that I described it to my wife is everybody did not impact Oprah, right? If everyone would have just said, like, let's use Oprah's grandma, for example, right? Oprah's grandma's story was not for everyone, but her grandma's story, I'm sure impacted her. So it was for her. And now that led on to impact hundreds of thousands of women's lives and millions of people's lives across the world because of how long she's had her show and everything else. And so understanding whoever it is that's listening or watching this right now, again, that motivation, you don't have to motivate everyone. 
but you will just motivate someone just by you not quitting. And so for me, it's been easy because of course I have the Dream Nation, which you see on the shirt and I have the Dream Nation podcast, but it helps me to remember all of that because I believe that everything starts with the dream. And so I had to write down my values and that's the easy way for me to remember it. And so that's what I think that everyone should be doing is writing down their values. What do they stand for? What are their principles? And that's how you'll be able to every day persevere. See my values? <laughs> I see it. I see. It. I saw it from the moment that you came onto my show. And I love everything about that, right? Having gratitude, having a vision, all those things are so, yeah. because it, it lets you know what you stand for. And if you don't write those things down, you'll then be trying to operate off of what everyone else is doing. And that's exhausting because everybody has a different vision. Everybody has different goals. And so write down what yours are. So then you know who you are. You said the word energy. And I really want to spend some time on that idea because when something resonates with you, it's a frequency that you're operating right. on. It's like, man, man, I'm really feeling your energy. Like you're, we're resonating on something, either whether it's a shared right. value, whether it's a shared sort of like perspective, whether it's a shared journey, whether it's a story. So energy comes in many different forms. And to me, I have found appreciation and gratitude to be one of the most powerful tools to increase the amount of energy that I have, increase the frequency with which that I see things, increase the resonance of everything around me. It's almost like I'm raising my own capacity to see gifts in my life, to see opportunities in my life, to see people for the beautiful souls that they are. And I love tying in because to me, like if you're not energized about your life, that's okay. Like there's a lot of reasons not to be energized about life, right? There's a lot of things that we didn't ask for that bring us down. But when you can begin to one, look for things that resonate with you in a positive way. Like I remember uh, you just said motivation. I've actually always believed that motivation isn't as powerful, ins powerful as inspiration. Motivation can get the party started. That's the resonating piece. Like I may look at your story, Casanova, and be like, man, this guy's story really resonates with me and it sparks motivation. But to me, tools like gratitude and appreciation, like what am I, what do I appreciate about this story then causes the inspiration, the energy, the flow of life to then evoke a sense of doing inside of you. And that's what sticks. Mm -hmm. That's everlasting. That's the piece that you can carry with you through the way you live, through your purpose. And then then you can go back to Casanova and say, all right, what about Casanova do I really appreciate? This is the value that he embodies. I really like his energy. I really like the way that he holds this value. And boom, now you've got a value. You've got a value that yeah. inspires you, right? So it's, it's paying attention to that energy. And I think energy is one of those things that it's not something that you see, right? It's not something that you can necessarily touch even in a lot of ways, but you can always feel it. And, 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 and to me, paying attention to your feelings and what lights you up, right? Like paying attention to your feelings and really learning how to navigate those emotions is one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself because. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and the more, the more you play in that world, man, it's just, it's, it's an amazing place to be. Now I want to transition to your third rock bottom, because I think that this is one of the most energizing parts of your story for me. Obviously you lost your mom 
you lost your house, you lost your job, you're at rock bottom at this point. And then very quickly, you created a massive amount of momentum and success in your life. What was the source of that energy for you? Yeah, I think that really it was understanding that I still had a circle of people who were depending on me. And I made the statement earlier that my wife was supporting me, not only emotionally, but now financially because I'd lost my job. And so when I really looked at it, there's a picture that surfaced online and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but it's a, it's about a lion and then he's got his, um, his cub behind him. And he said, I thought about quitting, but then I realized who was still watching. Right. And so that was the big deal for me is because my son at the time was three. Yes, I lost my biggest supporter, my mom, but I still have my grandma here. I still have my wife here. I still have my son here. And I still had a lot of other people who were wanting to see how I would respond. Right. We all go through challenges and adversities. And I don't want to butcher the quote, but, you know, someone had said, you know, um, a man's character is not how not how he does in, in the face of adversity, but how he responds or something like that. And so for me, I knew that at the end of the day, my son could either see me do one or two things, tuck my tail between my legs and go back to the jungle of what it was of life, right? And just become average or to show that, listen, at the end of the day, we're all writing a book, son, right? At the end of the day, we're all writing a book. And so you control that at the end of your book, what is the transformation or the feeling, just as you said, that you want other people to get out of your story? Right. If we look at the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, I absolutely love that movie. We look at the movie. There's lots of movies like this, but even um, John Q, right, is another dramatic mu- movie with Denzel. Denzel's played in many movies that had this feeling. But if you just cut the movie off a minute and 10 into the movie, you're going to feel empty. You're going to feel like, no, like, no. And we've seen movies like that where it's like, give me more. Like what happened? That movie could have been so right. much better. But when we see a movie that is complete, That really at the end, just like, again, pursuit of happiness, that at the end, it's like, damn, he did that. And so for me, it was really thinking with the end in mind, understanding that I didn't have to love or even really want to embrace the journey, but I had to be married to the destination. What was my destination at the end of the day? What was the story that I was going to tell thousands, hopefully hundreds of thousands before I'm done? But more importantly, my son and my cubs that will come after me, what what was the message that I was sending them? And at the time, it was only CJ, my son. And so I think that that was really what allowed me to keep going and to understand that shit, I mean, it happened, but what are you going to do? Because you're still here, you're still living. Right. So what are you going to do now to respond to this? And I think that that's where we really start to love people. We love just as human beings. We always love a comeback story. Every comeback story has a different level of comeback. Not everybody has to endure cancer. Some people endure homelessness. Some people endure rape. Some people endure anything that it could be. Right. But we love to see people persevere and we love to see people say, hey, look, I overcame this. And just because I did it, let you know that you can do it too, because I'm nothing special. And so I think that that was what it was. I figured out right at that moment. And obviously it took me a couple of weeks to really try to get over my feelings. But at the end of the day, like I said, I couldn't lie to anybody. I couldn't, I couldn't lie to myself. I could lie to everyone else. So as I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, Casanova, like, 
how will you bounce back from this? And I think that it was, it was a momentum thing. When we talk about Kobe, and this is why I love sports in general, right? If you've gotten hurt or, or whatever, you know, if you've gotten shot or whatever, and, and let's say at a young age, this happens to you yeah. and you find a way to bounce back. It's not going to be your last run at adversity. So that second time that you have to go through it again, you're now, the world's already seen you bounce back once. So now it's on you to bounce back again because otherwise you're going to feel like, nah, I let myself down. So you're like, okay, how am I going to bounce back from this one? And then you do it. So then that third time, what happens, right? It's like, I got to bounce back. So we use Kobe and we can stay on that, that topic. But remember, he tore his Achilles, right? It wasn't the first time that he had got hurt. It wasn't the first time that he had lost the championship. He had lost the teammate. He had to sit out and watch basketball when he wanted to play it. Right. And so he just continuously, I think once you build up that momentum, especially at an early age, you understand that wins and losses, they come with being bosses. Right. And that hey, doesn't I mean, like that. Right. And it, and it doesn't mean that you have to be a boss of other people, but you are the boss. You are the CEO of your own life. So you have to understand that right now I have an opportunity to lead somebody right now. Maybe my team is only a team of one. It's just me and my son. But that team can become more people. That team can become an actual business. That team can become a tribe. And so that's what I think I did. I, I just looked at what the end goal was and I knew, okay, I want to experience all of these things that I feel like will make me come alive at the end of the day. And the only way that I could do that is I have to get off of the ground. And even if I can't run, I can at least jog. And if I can't jog, I can at least walk. And if I can't walk, I can at least crawl. And if I can't crawl, I can at least just get up. And then I think that was every day. I just had that mentality and you build a little bit of momentum and it starts to snowball. And from there, you, you really start to... to reap what you sowed, which is hopefully positive seeds that you can do it. Very quickly, can you just share how quickly when you made this mindset shift? That's, this is phenomenal, man. Like, I mean, was it like three months? And then like, just... Yeah, I wish I could say that it was three months. I think the mindset shift was about three months. But as far as the actual production and results and things like that, I mean, I guess I started to see results within that first three months. But within nine months, when I look back on what I accomplished thus far, it was complete in my first year of real estate. And uh, I did 46 deals, $8 million in volume. Um, and I got the rookie of the year. And that was significant for me because here in Omaha, the average home price is about $187,000. So it wasn't like I was in Miami or, or California slanging $2 million houses. Like, no, I had to really grind. I had to build relationships with a lot of people. I had to be accountable. I had to communicate and I had to give good energy off. And so I think that, again, when people talk about it, like I didn't just, I didn't just read a book and, and just say, oh, I'm going to do it. Like, no, I already had success, but I was continuously getting knocked back down. And I didn't make that big leap until I made the intentional choice to really go out there and level up my mindset because everything else, I think that I was operating off of just pure talent. But yeah. one of my, it was my, my track coach when I was younger in high school, he would always say, uh, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. And that was that moment that like I had a lot of talent, but it wasn't until I really understood that I could, what got me here would not get me there if I didn't choose to keep educating myself. And for me, that was everything because that was the first time that I'd read books, which we talked about, but like four hour work week, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all these things that exposed me to a whole different way of life that I was like, wow, I didn't even know this type of stuff existed. And so I think that that helped to really accelerate my growth. And of course, just compounding it with building relationships. Well, I want 
to just make a distinction here. I think mindsets, mindset's something you can learn, right? Like mindset's something you can learn from the books, from the practice, from the habits, all that stuff. What inspires me most about you, Casanova, is the heart space, like the heart set, if you would. Like there's two, you've got your, your heart, your fire, who you are, and those, and that, and that set of values, which is not necessarily mindset. Like mindset to me is like the tactics, the things you're learning. Like, like I said, like there's the talent and then there's the hard work. Like even hearing that from somebody is a mindset shift. It's a belief shift. It's something that almost gives you the guardrails to, to then go where you're going. But the car itself, the fuel for the car, that's a whole, like that fire and, and it, I think true accomplishment, because success means different things to different people. Some people want financial success. Great. Some people want just to have a really fulfilling family life. Some people want inner peace. Some people want enlightenment. Whatever your journey is, that's irrelevant. But accomplishment has both mindset and then it's got the heart piece. And I I just I I think for you, man, like I want to give you this credit because I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Like you you learn the mindset. You really double down on it. But. The, the heart is what I think makes you special. Like that's what I, that's what I felt when I got on your show. That's what I've been feeling this whole entire episode. It's, it's that heart space. And I think that's really what we all have the capacity to feel, right? Like when we see these inspiring stories, like you said, pursuit of happiness, that's one of my favorite movies too. When we hear about people that are doing incredible things, when we hear about these inspiring stories, it's not even like I'm changing my mindset. I'm almost like resonating at a heart level, at a frequency that's like, wow, that's like the human spirit, the in- indomitable right. human spirit that's like, that, that's vast and expansive in all of us. I think that's why we get, like, I can't ever explain why somebody's inspiring story makes me feel inspired. I think it's because I know deep down in my heart that I've got a soul and this soul is just massive. It's bigger right. than anything I could ever imagine. And we all have that feeling inside of us. So when we see someone else's soul shine, it's like, oh, that's great. I got one too. Like, let's right. see what I can Back. do with mine, right? Let's see what I can do with mine. And then then you're inspired to go learn the mindsets, to read the books, to go find the mentors, to take the action, to go do the things you need to do. But the inspiration and the heart, man, and the energy happens at such a deep level and it's not we don't have to learn that we just have to start paying attention yeah i would definitely agree i think that you hit it right on the the head and and i love the analogy when you talk about the car right you could have the best car in the world the most beautiful car but if you don't have the fuel to go along with it if you don't have even if we're talking electric cars if you don't have yeah. that energy <laughs> that charge to go along with it and how i think that anybody can develop that charge is to really surround themselves with the right people like for you and i if we had think tanks every week if we had a mastermind once a month it's hard to not bounce great ideas off of each other. It's hard to not be inspired by one another. And if you tell me, listen, man, I'm trying to go buy the Dallas Mavericks, right? And then I got to be saying, you know what? That's great. And I'm trying to get the San Antonio Spurs, right? And so we have to be able to feed off of each other. So I think for a lot of people, the reason why they don't have that energy is because they put so much pressure on themselves to try to make it by themselves. Mm. And you have to understand that yep. life is a, it, life is a team sport. 
It really is. It starts with your coach or your parents. And maybe if you don't have parents, then you look at your grandparents or you look at your friends. We all feed off of other people. That's why we, I mean, there's 7 billion people on this planet. There's somebody that you can resonate with that you can feed off of. And so I tell people that all the time, like you have to find that inspiration. And luckily, you know, back, back when it was harder for us to find that inspiration because we didn't have things like YouTube. We didn't have podcasts. We weren't hearing people's stories at the hundred X power that we are now, but now it's not very hard to hear someone's story and you don't need to go find a Jack Canfield or a, a, you know, Tim Ferriss. There's somebody else that's out there that's just one or two steps ahead and their story is going to resonate with you so much more because they haven't already gotten to that level that makes them feel, at least to that person that's listening, unreachable. Mm. Right. And so that's what I think people have to do. They have to associate themselves with someone or something. Like, I'll be honest, one of the people who um, I've resonated with heavy over these last three, four years, and I love his story. And and I hope to honestly meet him in person soon um, is Pat Flynn. And us both being podcasters, obviously, you know, Pat Flynn, smart passive income. But I, I love the fact that Pat Flynn has always been very transparent. Right. He hasn't done anything that's super remarkable in terms of like all. But I love Pat Flint's story. I love the fact that he's always shared from the moment that he had his blog and food trucks and everything else. And so as I've looked to grow and create a community, I've looked at him for inspiration. And there's countless other people. Right. And I've reached out to Pat Flynn and I've actually had conversation with Pat Flynn. And, he, and I feel like he's only just a couple steps ahead. But I feel like if I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable enough to reach out to that person and say, hey, here's how you've inspired me, right? Not just motivated me, but here's how you've inspired me to where I could gain a connection with him, not just watching a YouTube video, but that I could get a response from him. I think that that was the biggest thing for me because then when you're acknowledged by someone else, it's no different than if you have kids. The reason why we do these things for our kids and and why you know we want them to say thank you or we want them to say, oh my God, I love you, mom, or dad is because we all want to be acknowledged. I don't care who you are. Now, there's a difference between being acknowledged and feeling like you have to live for other people. But I would even go as far as to say, you know, the people that say, I don't live for anybody else. I don't care what other people think. You have to take that with a grain of salt because we all really care what other people think in a sense. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go against your grain, which are your values, especially for somebody who you've never met before. But you have to care what other people think because at the end of the day, you want to create the right type of memories. And if you care what other people think, then if you're doing things the right way and people just say those powerful two words of thank you, that lets you know that you lived a life of meaning and value. And so for me, I do live for a lot of other people. And I've shown that in my life because I've lived for my wife. I've lived for now both of my kids. And at the end of the day, I want them to have some, some place of hope. We're all on this earth. We're all on this planet because we all want to give hope and we want to be hopeful that we can do something that makes a difference. And so that's what I think at the end of the day will be the biggest thing that people can take away from whatever their journey is. When they talk about their fuel, you got to be looking at, okay, who are the people that make me hopeful and what type of hope can I leave for someone else, whether it's my kids or even a third party, what type of hope can I leave that there is still good in this world? 
And that's what I try to leave every single day through my energy and, and hopefully through the mindset that I've learned. Just like you said, I think you can learn mindset. But at the end of the day, we all have a heart and how you give away that hope, that energy will allow other people to think that they could do it as well. And just to think for anybody out there, if you just think to yourself, if I was gone from this planet, from this earth, and 20 years from now, someone is now living a life by their design and inspiring tens of thousands of people. And they say, well, where'd you get it from? And they say, well, I had this mentor and he or she passed away 20 years ago, but they taught me this one lesson that has allowed me to 10X, 100X exponentially take my life to another level. If your name was the person or the name that was mentioned, how would you feel? Mm. Yep, yep. You'd feel amazing. And I want to just acknowledge, uh, you said, you know, people feel like they have to do it alone in the beginning. Like people feel like that. And that's why it's so overwhelming. I also want to mention, that's why appreciation is such a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Because when you begin to practice appreciation, you begin to recognize that it's not just, you're never alone. doesn't matter if there's a person in your life that's missing, or if you feel lonely in the moment, you've got things conspiring in ways that you can't even imagine. Every single failure, you don't know the second, third, fourth, fifth order impact of this event that's happening right now. You have no idea who your Oprah's grandma is going to be. You have no idea in what way, shape or form your life is going to unfold. And so Casanova, man, I, I really appreciate, I appreciate you a ton and I, I appreciate the energy. I appreciate the perspective. I appreciate just the inspiring light that you shine from inside of you, not necessarily from the things you do, but just again, from who you are. Like it, it wasn't even like you said so many amazing things on this podcast, but I felt your energy the whole time. And that's what inspires me, brother. Thank you. I, I mean, it was, it's a pleasure. Obviously, just like you said, once we get in sync and, I, and we yeah. harmonize and our energy just bounces off of one another. And so I think that you don't have to be all high energy, rah, rah, but I think that you got to find somebody that you can harmonize your energy with. And once you find that and it aligns, it, it's really fun. It's like you're riding a bike and you're going 40 miles an hour and all you feel is the wind at your face. And, uh, and hopefully then you get to the point where you feel the wind at your back and it feels like it's free flowing. Casanova, Dream Nation podcast. Talk quickly about that. And then I got one last question for you. So Dream Nation podcast, it came out because I believe that everything starts with the dream. And, and as I looked at this and I looked at my journey, I understood that we all have an unfair advantage. And somehow my unfair advantage has been to build relationships in an uncanny way, just like I had you on my podcast and it was a phenomenal episode. And so where the story came from the Dream Nation podcast, when I talk about everything starts with the dream is um, the house that we've built. My, when you basically walk upstairs to the right, when you get to the top of the stairs to the right, you have the guest bedroom and then to the left, you have the master and then you go down the hallway and you have uh, my son and my daughter's room. And so basically my son, he got to a point about six months ago. And I think a little bit had to do with the fact that he just never likes to go to sleep, but he got to the point that he would say, 
hey, dad, I think I heard something. There's something upstairs. Now, keep in mind, his sister's already been sleeping for an hour. And then on top of that, when you first come in from the garage, you have to like come in on the first, before you can get to the stairs, you have to come in through the door. And so I'm like, CJ, we've been here this whole time. Like no one's here. And he's like, I heard something. So of course I would have to go upstairs. I turn on the light. I walk him to his room. And then of what? I would have to show him, listen, there's nothing to be afraid of. Look, there's nothing to be afraid of. Well, my thoughts on this is I know in the next two, three years when my, son, when my daughter gets that age, she's probably going to go through that same fear of, look, I think I heard something. There's someone in my room. Well, hopefully if I've led the way and I've been the right example, I no longer will have to go up the stairs. Yeah. Why? Is because her big brother will take her and he'll turn on the light and he'll say, look, Jada, there's nothing to be afraid of. Right. And so that was the whole purpose. It was understanding that I had an opportunity to try to lead by example. And that's the same thing that I try to do with the Dream Nation podcast. I get the brightest minds in the world on the show. I try to pick their brains, get their their strategy, their tactics, and I try to give back to my tribe. And so I think we've been able to do that thus far. We just passed, uh, I want to say, hundred and eight episodes. Your episode's about to release here shortly. Mm. Yeah, it's it's something that I'm very passionate about. And it's probably the thing that I'm loving and making me come alive the most. Oh, hell yeah, man. I love it. I love it. Love it. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to put all of the links to Casanova's work in the show notes. And I'm sure, I think actually your episode's going to go out right around the time when mine is on yours. So you guys will get a double whammy of us. But uh, I got one last question for you, Casanova. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I think it's it's understanding that at the end of the day, all the assets that you can have, right? It's all meaningless if you didn't create the memories with the people that at the end of the day will allow you to smile. I don't know when the end of my journey is coming, right? I hope that I have another 50, 60 years on this planet. But at the end, if I am, you know, on my deathbed or, or my last breaths are whenever they are, that I can look back on this life and I can truly feel that I left a meaningful impact. And the only way that I can do that is by building meaningful relationships. And so that's always my focus is to build relationships because I know that at the end of the day, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll obviously get everything that you want. But on on top of that, nothing will be unattainable because of the relationships that you have. And everything is owned by someone, right? If you want to get floor seats at a Lakers game or whatever it is, there's general managers, there's owners, there's staff, there's players. If you build relationships with those people, that's how it becomes so easy. Because you're trying to go out there and get $27,000 so you can sit courtside for one NBA game. That's tough, right? Not to say you can't do it, but... If you, if you do it in the right way and you build a relationship with somebody who can give you that seat or comp that seat, it's a lot easier that way. And it's more long lasting. Mm, beautiful, brother. Well, I said this before and I'll say it again, man. I love what you stand for. The second I met you, I was like, man, we're going to be two peas in a pod. And uh, I just appreciate, just appreciate you. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Casanova. And from us... Stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast 
Read in our thoughtful posts or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.